We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the High Stakes Lowdown, a Rotoviz podcast brought to you by the Fantasy Football Players Championship. I'm Eric Balkman from the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour and the FFPC. You can follow me on Twitter at Eric Balkman and the FFPC on Twitter at FFPC. This week, I'm sending some questions the way of Diplab Mandel, a winner of dozens of FFPC main event, Football Guys Players Championship, and High Stakes Dynasty leagues. Currently, he has three teams in the top 40 overall in the 3,000-team FFPC main event, a contest that features a $4 million prize pool and a $500,000 grand prize going to first place. In this episode, we discuss the Bears running back situation without David Montgomery, how valuable David Njoku is in tight end premium leagues like the FFPC, and of course, much more. Before we get into the show, I want to remind everyone that you can get a listeners-only 10% discount to Rotoviz by using the code RVRADIO2021. That's RVRADIO2021. Your subscription gives you unlimited access to all of the Rotoviz content and tools, and it supports the podcast channel. Now, without further ado, here is a winner of dozens of high-stakes leagues over the course of his long career, Biplab Mandel. Biplab Mandel rejoining me on the road of his high stakes lowdown this week. Biplab, a winner of numerous main event leagues, football guys, players, championship leagues. I just noticed today, Biplab, that you are in second place in the bare knuckle challenge with your co-manager, Vince Staffolino. And uh, not one, not two, I feel like LeBron James now, not one, not two, not three. Uh, well, it is three. Three teams in the top 40 in the FFPC main event right now. It, you're off to a great start, man. Congrats. Thanks, Balki. Yeah, it's it's always good to start hot. I just hope I can keep up the pace when it matters, <laughs> when the money round starts. Um, I I think that uh, you, I mean, yeah, we, yeah, I mean, it's always better to start off uh, hot than cold for sure. Um, but you definitely have uh, have won a lot of leagues before. You know what it takes, and I think people are going to be excited to hear what you have to say this week here. And uh, congratulations not only on that fast start, but uh, in the main event, but in all your leagues so far. 
the, specifically talking about the team you have in 14th place right now in the main event, one of the guys that's helped got, uh, got you into that position has been DeAndre Swift. Um, now, there, there's been, you know, basically ever since drafting season, the anti-Swifters or the anti-Swifties, as it were, uh, out there, um, they were concerned with the presence of Jamal Williams. They were concerned about the new offense, the new head coach there. He's alleviated a, a lot of those concerns. However, Jamal Williams is not going anywhere. And now the Lions just lost their Pro Bowl center, Frank Ragnall, with a toe injury for the remainder of the 2021 season. Um, with a team that's loaded like yours, it, it, are you starting to have concerns about him being an every week start for you? Um, I'm actually not concerned about him being every week starter, Balki. I think you and I have had this conversation in the past where I'm a very big value holder, uh, value drafter, you know, buy low, sell high, that kind of stuff. And Swift falling in main event drafts due to the FUD during preseason helped me grab him sometimes late third, early fourth. Um, I believe in his talent. I think the only concern would be if Swift gets hurt. Just today, I was checking the snap counts. And, and if you go back and check that, last two weeks, Swift has actually played 70% of the snap counts. And he started more at the 50% levels, right? So his snap counts have gone up. The other interesting thing with him, if you notice, is he's already caught 29 passes. You know, that puts him on a pace to catch more than 90 passes. So uh, with Ragno getting hurt, I would be more concerned about running the ball, but you know that team is trash right now and they need to pass a lot and Swift will continue playing. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, the the main thumper or the bigger back is Jamal Williams, but Swift is more versatile and I see him catching passes still in that offense. You know, they don't, they, they don't have a lot of wide receivers. Yeah, they really don't, and, and Hawkinson has kind of been, you know, as long as we're talking about the Lions, so, and, and I don't think, do we have a question on TJ? Oh, yeah, we, we'll get to TJ Hawkinson a little bit later, because I do want to pick your brain about him. So we'll save it for now. Let's get to Brandon Ayuk. Um, the, this is a, another player in, in the 14th place uh, FFPC main event team that you have. Um, how many times has, you know, he crept into your lineup as a second flex, given his weird workload and his weird start to the 2021 season and based on what we've seen from him so far bip lab should we just expect this to continue or do you expect Ayuk to turn it on and and really um you know be a, a quite the a fantasy asset down the stretch much like he was in 2020 yeah yeah I think the only time I would have played Ayuk on this team would have been week one and he laid a goose egg, I think, that, that week. Uh, and then since the team was loaded, I didn't have to probably start him in week two or week three. I have to go back and, and look at that. But, but you know, looking at that team, their coach, Kyle Shanahan, you know, I think one of the things I like about Kyle Shanahan is he's probably one of the more honest coaches in the league, right? Than his buddy on the other side on the Rams team, you know, who lies all the time. And for some reason, it seems like Ayuk ticked him off preseason. I don't know what it is, but he seems still to be on a in a dog house and and you know going through this sophomore slump. Uh, what's concerning to me is even with Kittle hurt, I didn't see much involvement of Ayuk in that offense. I think they've built it around Debo. Debo's breaking off. So so even though Ayuk is playing seventy percent plus snaps. 
is not getting targeted. And now they also have Trey Lance, whom they're trying to get him going. So I'm not going to play him at flex at all until I see a breakout game. Even for bye weeks, I'm probably finding some rental flex options from the waiver wire. Yeah, and, and I think that's the way you got to play it right now, too. Uh, certainly not not worth cutting yet, but this is a guy that um, is is not going to be helping anybody get to a half million bucks um, the, the way that he's performing right now. You mentioned uh, the Trey Lance uh, uh, variable in there as well. Uh, so so certainly something to watch going forward. But watching uh, with Ayuk on your bench seems to be the way to go. Yeah, but he could be that, that uh, you know, diamond in the rough when it comes to playoff if oh yeah it's hurt and kittle is out you know that's that's why i wouldn't cut him at all because the upside is huge but i'll just hold him you know in the bench um i uh i i think you're right and, and uh, i certainly i don't own him in a ton of spots it was weird because you know i was doing all these preseason podcasts and i was like man i really you know after talking to all these high stakes players i'm like i don't have enough iuk this year and and then i was talking you know i, I talking to these guys and and now I'm kind of thankful that I don't, you know, like I'm thankful <laughs> that, that of all the, the Debo Samuel teams I have, which isn't a ton, but, uh, but I, I, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm not willing to give up the ghost on, on Ayuk yet, but um, it, it's not looking great right now, but he could come on at the end of the season. Um, the Raiders. Oh my goodness. We, what, what a story <laughs> we could talk about with them right now. So let's just keep it on fantasy uh, terms. John Gruden steps down. You will obviously be starting Darren Waller. Are there any other players in Las Vegas that you're particularly high on? Rich Bisaccia, I think Bisaccia, Bisaccia. Uh, yeah, he is taking, I'm terrible with names. Um, he is taking over the head coaching duties for the Raiders. Who do you like there going forward on that team? Are you changing any of the, the player evaluations for any of those Raiders now um, with somebody else as the head man there? Yeah. Uh, I think for this week, you know, it will be a big emotional toll on that team. So I'll be curious to see how they play, how they bounce back and and what they do. Of course, Darren Waller is an every week starter. I think Josh Jacobs is still RB2 because of the volume and, and a player I will play. I'm not high on him, but I'm going to play if I have him. But other than that, I don't think, you know, I'm going to use a lot of readers anymore but but i wasn't using them at at all either uh, in, in the beginning of the season you know i'm a huge brian edwards fan you know about it you know i i have him in most dynasties i aggressively drafted him in most redrafts um i still believe in his talent and and you know he's flashed well but he's still um you know not a reliable week-to-week -week starter right so and in fact, rugs is probably more fantasy relevant right now. But I'm not. I'm going to try avoid avoiding playing rugs or Brian Edwards where I can, and more role with Waller and and some Josh Jacobs right now until I see where this offense goes. I expect it to be similar because they've not made any changes there. I think they were smart to promote their special teams coach and not load up the offensive coordinator. Maybe the message to him is keep doing what you're doing. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see how that team plays post Gruden. Yeah, and, and and I gotta believe that you know it's just so weird to see the Bears take it to the Raiders, a team that it's been so good <laughs> this year. You gotta wonder if if that was yep. playing on the Raiders' minds, you know, and just and and maybe now that not that it's over and done with, but that Gruden is out, 
Um, they don't have to answer questions about him anymore because he's not part of the team. And, and maybe that, th- that does help them going forward to, to yep. really uh, increase the fantasy production. Uh, I know for my, uh, for my Brian Edwards and Josh Jacobs teams, I will be rooting for that wholeheartedly. Um, Khalil Herbert was a guy that a lot of people picked up um, last week, maybe two weeks ago. Um, and I was actually surprised. I mean, I'm, I'm still high on Damian Williams. I know he's banged up right now, but um, I, how, what do you get? Herbert had like 18 carries, almost 20 carries. And that really helped the Bears beat the Raiders that game. You're just just driving down the field with Khalil Herbert pummeling that defensive front. How likely is it that he actually is the Bears running back to start over Damian Williams until David Montgomery's healthy again, Biplab? Yeah, I... I... Typically, don't like how Chicago is coached and and their game plans. You know, I'm not a Matt Nagy believer, and he does all kinds of weird things. Uh, I did like Herbert as a late dynasty pick. You know, there were a lot of those late running backs this year I liked in dynasties, and it's good to see some of them getting chances now. Herbert, Chris Evans, you know, players like that. But uh, that being said, you know, for example, they are still holding back Justin Fields. I don't think they've opened up the full playbook for him. And, and it baffles me, you know, in a wide open NFC North, why Nagy is not doing that. So all that considered, I do feel they will be in a 50-50 split, you know, until Montgomery comes back. I think Damian Williams, because of his experience, pass protection, you know, he'll still be the uh, first choice for that op- offense and Herbert's role will increase. But it'll be 50-50 and Damian Williams is probably the goal line back at least for next one or two weeks. So what would you do as far as starting him? I'm not going to start him unless I'm desperate. Again, I'm going to watch this week and see how it goes and probably form an opinion after that. Because if you look at the stats last week, it was 50-50, but Williams played early in the game, got the goal line touch. You know, it's hard to make a decision that Herbert is a starter based on that. Okay. Is Williams still startable for you though? Week six? I I will start Williams. Yes. I I will still start Williams primarily because I feel he can get the touchdown. So between the two, I feel the probability of touchdown is with Williams. And that's why I'll start him over Herbert. Yeah. And that game, that's obviously a a home game for the bears this week as they take on my uh, glorious green Bay Packers. 44 and a half is the total on that one. And the Packers are a four and a half point. Um, favorite. And I'll tell you this bit, Black. Well, I mean, you're a Vikings fan. You know that um, sometimes the Packers defense has a way of making young, unproven or, well, young and unproven players like Justin Fields could make them look really good. And this could be a, a an underrated game for the Bears, too. Um, I'm st- everywhere I have Damian Williams, and maybe this is more of a commentary on how, you know, weak my running back depth is on some of my teams, but I'm starting them everywhere, man. Uh, just like you. I, I can't. Uh, he, yep. He's too valuable. Uh, to I, start. I think, uh, and you know, the Bears defense is playing well. I think Packers will win the game, but I feel Bears will cover the spread. It'll yeah. Be <laughs> um, yeah, uh, for sure. Um, it, it's tough for me to get around that. Um, I, I, I think that's a, t- it's going to be a tight game. I, probably not yeah. unlike what we saw with the Packers and Bengals in week five. Um, okay. So tight ends, let's, let's talk about them. Uh, New England has been an interesting tight end landscape ever since Gronk and Aaron Hernandez left. Uh, they, they get the um, Devin Asiasi and Dalton Keene uh, as rookies last year. Didn't really work out. Bill Belichick goes out. He signs Johnny Smith and Hunter Henry. 
Um, now, with those two players there, it looked, and high-stakes players drafted John U. Smith basically as the guy. Uh, he has not been the guy. And the last couple of weeks, Hunter Henry has clearly been the guy. Is he the guy going forward now for the Patriots at tight end for the leagues that you own these guys in BIP Lab? Um, is, is, has, is Hunter Henry officially the, the tight end that you want to roll with in FFPC leagues now? Yep. Hunter Henry, I think, is the fantasy relevant tight end there. You know, the funny thing I'll share with you is John Terry and I have a preseason bet on who the tight end with most fantasy points on this team would be. I think we bet on a football guy's team and I bet Hunter Henry, he was all on Jonu Smith. He's not feeling well right now, I can tell you. But but I think Jonu is the better overall packaged football player, right? He does it all, better blocker um, and, and a bunch of those things. But I think all Hunter Henry does is catch passes and, and, I, and we are seeing that uh, evolve over the last few games, right? So right now, for me, I'll be starting Hunter Henry everywhere. In fact, he's my top five tight end this week. And then Jonu Smith is probably going to be on my bench and more of a desperation play. Yeah, I I don't know. First of all, are, are all your waivers at BitLab? Yeah, okay. that's why we had to do it at I, That's I kind of figured that was reason. So all of mine are not in yet, but... Obviously, in the KFFSC, I, I get uh, till midnight Eastern to do theirs, and, and most of them are done. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I did put in for Jonu Smith on a couple of, of teams where I am desperate. I was shocked, shocked how many Goddard Gronkowski teams I have, you know, where I'm carrying the two tight ends, and, and I can't obviously play either one this week. Yeah. Um, and, and so Jonu Smith is a guy that I did put some bids on. We'll see what happens there. But I do like Hunter Henry going forward. Um, I, I think that. Um, the uh, the target volume for him uh, continues to be right where you want it to be with with tight end being such a shallow position. Uh, Hunter Henry could be uh, definitely a diamond in the rough this week, yeah, um, for sure. All right, so let's move on here and and talk a little bit uh, about another tight end, and that's David Njoku. Now, by the time people are listening to this podcast, Bip the the uh, the waiver deadline it will have already passed. You are. You can feel free to spill your guts here and let us know how you handled David and Joku on the waiver wire in the leagues he was available at, uh, for you in the FFPC this week. Sure. Yeah. You know. I mean, I would love to see David and Joku uh, succeed at NFL level. You know, I liked him out of college, and I sincerely hope his career is finally taking over but you know if you look at the Cleveland offense and this has been for the last two years Baker Mayfield loves spreading the ball right and they are they are a run first uh, offense and so you know it's hard for me to trust Onjoku week over week you know given that even Austin Hooper and Harrison Bryant are on that team so he's not my top choice tight end from waiver I would rather uh, go and get, you know, Ricky Seals Jones over him, or I would even do Mo Ali Cox this week. You know, they have a better matchup in my opinion. Plus for Cleveland, you know, Landry is coming back soon. So I'm just not sure if Onjoku is going to have a similar game on a cons- consistent basis going forward. I think you're right. I also think um, that uh, there, there are going to be uh, a bunch of people who are well, maybe like me uh, starting him this week. Kyle Pitts too is on is on by. George Kittle 
obviously on, yeah. on IR and, and his team's on a buy. So anybody who picked up Ross Dwelly, not going to be able to use him this week. So it, it could be go time for, and, and you think about how many tight ends are already owned in, in FFPC leagues. Like it is, it's scraps out there and there could be some people that are, you know, a wing and a prayer starting David and Joku this week. Um, I hope I'm not one of them, but we shall see if it, if it pays dividends or not. Um, in that same division, that AFC North division, I want to just read a statement to you and you feel free to agree or disagree or strongly disagree, strongly agree. Um, here it is. Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool are every week starts with Juju Smith-Schuster out for the year. Agree or disagree, Biplab? Um, Deontay Johnson, yes. And he was always right. pre or post injury. Claypool, my answer is it depends. For example, you know, I'm going to play Antonio Brown or a Devante Smith over Claypool. Um, I might play Claypool more when Pittsburgh have home games. And I will also look at the pass rush or what kind of defense the opposition have. Because my worry is Big Ben and his protection and his ability to, you know, um, throw the ball down the ground. And, and so that's where I'm still not sure if I can trust Claypool week to week basis. But that being said, this week they get Seattle at home. No Russell Wilson. I'm going to play Claypool everywhere because he may have a huge game at home. Um, so that's that's how I look at both Deontay and Claypool. I um, It almost kind of um, clears up a muddled situation a little bit, you know, because I, well, you know, uh, HSFFO, our co-host, Farrell Elliott, I don't know yeah. if there's a bigger Chase Claypool fan out there than him. And and I, I know he'll be rolling him out there every single week. And certainly he's a dynamic talent. The question is, can Ben Roethlisberger keep his body together all season long to continue to pump the ball downfield to Claypool yeah. accurately, you know? And with Johnson, I don't necessarily worry about it. Although if you look at the last two weeks, the, the biggest production that Johnson's had has been on that deep ball, not Claypool, but it's been yeah. on Johnson getting that deep oh, ball. It, it, no, it's... You, are, you, you are right. And, you know, I'm actually a huge Claypool fan. You look at most of my dynasties, you'll find Claypool on the roster. Uh, the way the Steelers are playing, I just don't know if I can confidently start him. You know, now I'm definitely playing him over lots of players. But the names I said, like, like you know, Antonio Brown, if you look at that, too many mouths to feed even at Tampa, but I'm more confident starting Antonio Brown than Chase Claypool. Um, just curiously, Antonio Brown, is he an every week start right now? For me, yes. Yeah. I don't know how others feel, but for me, yes. I think Brady loves him. Uh, there is a chemistry there and, you know, I, 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 I am going to start him every week. Yep. I was super high on him in the, you know, if you looked at his, when he came aboard in Tampa last year, and this is why the Brown thing hasn't really necessarily surprised me. Um, when he came aboard in Tampa last year, Brady was targeting him a ton. Like not only did he, did he stump for the guy, you know, Aaron Rodgers stumped for Randall Cobb, yeah. um, but it's not like Cobb's lighting it up right now. When Brown came, and, and I know that's not a fair comparison between the two, but when Brown came born in Tampa, he got a ton of targets. He's continuing to get a ton of targets, and nobody's really had much of an answer outside of the Rams for that Buccaneers offense. Like It's it's totally lit. It's totally fire, as the kids say, and uh, uh, um, I'm reaping the benefits of playing Brown uh, in a lot of leagues, as are you, Biplab. Um, speaking of those Buccaneers, how hard with the bye week gauntlet uh, upon us, a lot of players going on IR this week, how hard do high stakes players 
need to work in order to ensure themselves that Giovanni Bernard will not be caught with the roster churn, you know, about to get to a, a season high right now, um, to, to make sure that they, they keep him on their roster for the potential, um, you know, high ceiling that could present itself if Jones or Fournette or both were to go down. Yeah, no, and I think <laughs> Jones is garbage, right? I mean, if you look at some of the clips where Brady got sacked and Jones looked, Jones looked clueless, where, where did that <laughs> rush come from? I think Brady is probably going to end his young career, you know, with, with exposing all the flaws Jones has, right? Now, Fournette seems to have the... Um, you know the 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 running game under his belt. You know he's 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 their number one rusher right now. But I like Giovanni Bernard as a pass catching flex uh, option. You know Brady always liked players like James White, right? And when they uh, later in the season, you know when everyone's making a playoff push and Tampa is more playing plus five hundred teams, I think. Or close games, you know, I think Bernard would be seeing a lot more snaps, and and you know, all all we want is five or six catches and and, right. and a touchdown sprinkled in, and that makes him a flex. So he is a flex option, especially especially in close games that that would come down the road. For now, I'll stash him on the bench, and if I don't have any option, um, I'm rolling Bernard. Um, I have one team. Where it was, in, I drafted in Kentucky. Where I ended up, um, I, I went heavy. I wasn't trying to. I just ended up going heavy on the Bucks. Like I have Godwin and Antonio Brown and Gronk and Brady. And then I, as on a whim, I'm like, you know what? Let, let's go crazy with the Buccaneers. So I went. I got Bernard there too, and he might end up being a starter for me. You know, I don't know how bad the roster churn is is going to be for me in, in yeah. week seven or eight or nine or anything like that. He could be. And I don't. And like you, I mean, I I don't think that it would necessarily be terrible. Again, if he is catching four, five, six balls, that might be enough, um, especially if that Buccaneers offense keeps cranking out uh, a lot of production. Um, now let's get to the Hawkinson, Hawkinson question here. He's obviously not fully healthy. Um, it's affected him the last couple of weeks. I, I think like five or six targets, um, you know, four or five catches for him in weeks four and five combined. Have you thought about benching him at all, given, given his performance uh, so far and knowing that he is? playing hurt um has that entered your mind or have you actually benched him at all no i've not benched him at all and you know i'm not yet worried even last week right uh he played 80 percent of the snaps you know because one thing i rely on bulky in these high stakes is uh look at player snaps what's happened and and all that stuff right so so he played 80% snaps. Now, the issue is that, you know, the Lions just had to have a brutal schedule, right? And they had two brutal division games also to go through, right? So so that could have impacted, you know, the production. But again, they don't have receivers. All they have is, you know, these running backs and and someone like Hawkinson, right? And And... Uh, hopefully, with Tyrell Williams coming back from IR, that may help open up Hawkinson more and be in a pass-catching mode. Uh, but for me, if he's healthy and playing, I'm starting him. I think a touchdown is coming probably this week versus 
<laughs> Cincinnati and hey, they are at home. Maybe this is an upset alert with with a fifty percent or a fifty fifty Joe Burrow, and and maybe the Lions get a home win this this weekend. Yeah, Bengals only basically three and a half point favorites in that game total at 47 and a half. It is very, very tough in the FFPC to have a guy with Hawkinson's talent, a guy that you drafted, you know, invested so much draft capital in to sit. Um, you know, for me, I'm I'm just kind of like if if I draft a guy that high and he's active, and and by the way, Allen Robinson is testing this because yes. um, you know, he's he's the guy right now that I finally broke down Bip Lab and and I finally sat him in some leagues last week and like I can't put up with this anymore. You know, he's, he's got to start performing. Hawkinson's not there yet. And, and if I played in the FFPC, um, I think I'd give him a few more weeks, given his upside. You know, I have a guy like, look what Mark Andrews did on Monday night, you know, and, and Hawkinson yep. is capable of something like that. You know, and can you imagine having that on your bench? I can't. And yeah, that's why and, I'm going to continue Andrews to roll him had up. a slow start. If you look at it, this was the game he, he, he gets going. And, you know, um, the thing with Robinson, though, is you always have more options at receivers. Like last week, I I actually played Michael Pittman and Jalen Waddle. The Waddle thing didn't work out, but over Allen Robinson in, in a bunch of uh, leagues, you know. And I think with Justin Fields' deep ball ability, I think Darnell Mooney is someone I'm hoping will break out and have some of those monster games down the road. Hey, speaking of Monday night, how did that that game was obviously um, one of the most fantastic games of the season. Did it flip any fantasy games for you? Any matchups? Did it vault you up the standings with any of your teams? Yeah, that was an incredible game, and and you know obviously it ended up being favorable for me from a fantasy perspective, right? Because I have a lot of shares of uh, Marquise Brown, and you know one of my top. 40 teams is built around Marquise Brown and Debo Samuel because, you know, those were late receivers uh, that I nailed. And then, you know, obviously Andrews with his 47 points and, right. and Lamar Jackson really, really helped. Although it 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 broke my heart in a main event versus uh, Glenn Lowy, you know, we are both in playoff contention, is I think we needed four or five points from Justin Tucker that night. Oh, <laughs> can you imagine going into Monday night and thinking Justin Tucker cannot score four points? Right. And I think we lost that by two to the extent I was like, take it, take it to OT, kick a field goal. You yeah. know, stop <laughs> and, then, and then the way it was going, I mean, like, as far as I was concerned, like, um, and this is what was driving me nuts about that Packers game. And it seemed like both teams are playing for the field goal. And in overtime and the Ravens yeah. the, say what you will about John Harbaugh, that dude does not play for field goals. And the way that the, the, the Ravens were moving the ball down the field, you just kind of knew. Um, yeah. That, I think that, Lamar got hot in fourth quarter. I think Colts lost their mind. You cannot lose that game. You know, in my opinion, for example, I don't know why Colts were not running the ball a lot and they were making Carson uh, Wentz, throw you know in in some critical situations they they could have finished that game off yeah yeah just so crazy um 31 points for the ravens and on each and every one of their touchdowns that they scored never attempted one extra point just (laughs) that's fantasy man that is fantasy speaking of fantasy let me ask you a philosophical question before we get to the final question um when you have managed your teams um, up to like the way you have three teams in the FFPC main event. I know you got some football guys teams pretty up uh, high up there as well. When you have done that, 
do you manage, do you make decisions any differently? Do you make uh, waiver bids differently? Do you make lineup decisions differently? Um, when, when you, you know, for those teams that are in contention, yeah. um, you do. Okay. So what, what's the difference, um, for you when, when, um, are you, are you getting more conservative or are you taking more chances with those teams? No, I, I don't get conservative. You know, I don't look at matchups because in some of these tournaments, like football guys and main events, my philosophy is score points. And if you score points, you are in because that's the thing you can control. You cannot control matchups or your, what your opponents do. And with lots of teams, I don't even look at, you know, sometimes who am I playing. But as the season progresses, Balki, what happens is in my... Uh, adjustment, what I do is I first focus on the top teams more, do a bit more analysis around how I want to approach and then I get through with, with the other teams, right? That's that's always how I look at. Uh, and the biggest thing I look for is week-to-week consistency. Like, I don't want players on my roster that I have to think about every week, right? Like, if you have a Debo Samuel, Marquis Brown, you know, and players like that who you get at a later stage and they are consistent, I'm very happy because I don't want to tinker my roster. And the more I tinker my roster, I realize I keep the wrong player on the bench. Right. Yeah. Yep. So so that's that's how I approach. But what I do is, you know, if I have shares of some flex type players, like say a Jalen Waddle, right? right? I may not start Waddle in all my uh leagues or i may not start a michael pittman in all my leagues so sometimes i will hedge hedge some of those options but otherwise uh i don't tinker with my roster i don't like tinkering with my lineups a lot you know yeah no and and i'm just kind of like for me um i will look at my roster thursday afternoon all, all my rosters and i will only you know, basically set the lineups I need to for players playing that night. And then I won't look at it till Sunday morning. Cause I don't want to overthink it. Right. I don't want to, you know, think long, think wrong. I can't remember which, which player told me that, but it's, it's always stuck with me. And like, I'll, I'll tell you, I'll be in a bad situation this week, right? Like I had Brandon cooks in my lineup for last two weeks. Now, what do I do this week? I have Cortland Sutton on the bench and cooking there. So those are the decisions I hate making. Balkan, right. Because I bench cooks and then he takes off. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, it, it, no. And, and you're right. I mean, it's, it, it's just, and, and that's the, that was the irritating thing for me. Cause I do, I got cooked so cheap. Just talking about Brandon yep. cooks here for a second. I got cooked so cheap in so many drafts and you know, you look at what the Texans were doing to the Patriots offensively on Sunday yes. and I'm watching red zone and it's like oh, Chris Conley and, you know, literally all these other Texans receivers, except for Brandon cooks. Yeah. It's just, and, and Davis mills look like Joe Montana out there. Like what is going, but again, that is I, I was more thinking, this is my theory and it may be totally false, but it feels good thinking about it. I was thinking Houston came to the game thinking Belichick will take away our number That's one. That's exactly guy. what I was That's about to say. Yep. yep. So let's just not have a game plan around him. I was just, I have this weird theory, you know. <laughs> and, and because, I mean, who is the, the most talented offensive yeah. player for Houston? It's Cooks and it's not close. It, yep. there, there's no running back there. There's, there's no significant uh, playmaking tight end. Cooks is the guy. So I guess, you know, I, you know, it's one of those things we should have seen it coming, but you still, it's. Yeah. It's, because one of my top 40 teams that cast me points. Right. And, and I couldn't play Sutton because of his ankle issue. Right. And of yep. course he takes off. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I wonder how many people that caught, cause like, 
you know, I'll look at that too, where if it's a close call and, you know, you don't, you have to wait for a round for Sutton to kind of figure out how his ankles, yeah. be, especially when it was like, when it was a, when it was a midweek injury. And you got yeah, no I don't like ankles and hamstrings, you know, and 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 you know what? You play him everywhere, and and second snap he's out. So yeah, yeah it, it, that's fantasy, I guess. Yeah, yeah. No, you're right. Um, okay, final question for you. Yeah, your Biplab, uh, um, an early round pick, a player that a lot of people are counting on this week. You're in week six. Um, that you think actually might be better off on FFPC players benches. And then a sleeper that will be on the benches uh, for a lot of high stakes players that you think should be in starting lineups. Yeah. So I don't know if a lot of people are counting on, you know, if you look at some of the early round starts, they're doing pretty well. You know, one player I always hate and he was just in one main event team of mine because I had to do a contra is Amari Cooper. I never believe in Amari Cooper. I feel he's ruined many of my championships and he vanishes when I need him, right? So so Amari Cooper is a player, you know, I, I'm not high on, but that being said, I'm not going to bench him for sure this week. Um, I would say Miles Sanders, you know, but I'm sure yeah. many teams may be also benching him. You know, My, Miles Sanders is someone I will probably be benching, you know, I don't like Thursday night players, short week, and then they are playing a very strong Tampa defense. Now, here is the curse. I'm benching Miles Sanders almost everywhere, so maybe he takes up. <laughs> I yeah, <don't>. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's Miles Sanders, right? And the other player I would say is to be cautious this week. I know there's no, I don't know if Julio Jones is playing, is A.J. Brown. You know, they are playing a talented Bills defense and I'm not sure if AJ Brown will do a lot this week you know but these are again cautions doesn't mean I I will be benching them you know given where we I've drafted to that extent DK Metcalf you know I don't know how the Seattle offense will look like this week I know Gino looked good last game yeah but I don't know you know what Metcalf would do so those are just cautions um but I am excited about some of my sleepers this this week, you know, and they are mainly tight ends. So I feel um, if you look at some of the matchups of players like Mo Ali Cox, uh, Donald Parham, who scored a touchdown in last two games, Ricky Seals-Jones, these guys have a very fantasy favorable tight end matchup this week. And I feel they are sneaky sleepers, you know, um, because they are playing some of the worst tight end defenses and might find the red zone, right? So these will be some sleeper tight ends that I will use this week because of the injuries and 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 the unavailability of some of the studs, right? So that's that's my sleepers. Well, and uh, a guy I wish I could say is a sleeper on this show, but you are no longer, my friend. Everybody knows. I, I saw when I put out the FFPC email this week, you got a lot of love on Twitter. Um, uh, for you know, Matt Shelf was chiming in. You had a bunch of guys, um, talking to you know, congratulating you and and let me um be one of those guys because you are a well known guy, my friend. And and the, <laughs> you you keep this up now, you're going to be even more well known because you got three really good chances here. Um, as we move forward, heading into Week Six uh, in the FFPC main event, Biplab Mandel with three teams in the top forty right now. Thank you so much for doing the show, man. I always uh, enjoy talking shop with you. And uh, we will do this again soon. I hope the ball bounces your way this weekend. And, uh, you know, maybe you get even further up that leaderboard, my friend. 
Yeah, no, thanks, Balki. And likewise, I know you can't play in FFPC, but you have lots of good teams and not everyone knows how well you do in those. I mean, you crush it at KFFS every year, right? And and so um, I would encourage everyone even to ping you and, and, and get some of your ideas on their roster setups and, and whatnot. But I really appreciate and hopefully this is the year where, where I... Uh, win one of those big leagues at FFBC. Oh, that would be tremendous. That would be tremendous. And we'll have you back on uh, this podcast at a minimum, maybe the HSFF hour as well, dude. Uh, That would be tremendous. All right, dude, you be good. And we'll talk again real soon. You too, Balki. And and it's a joy watching your son. You know, I think he'll probably make it big. You know know what's so funny? And I didn't get video of it. And, um, but he had his last uh, flag football game of the season. He yeah. was playing sort of like um, a boundary corner position, and they don't throw a ton uh, in, sure. at that level. But uh, seven to six game late, and on third down and fourth down, they ran hard at him both times, and both times he got the flag, the stop inside wow. the ten yard line. It was, and and that was that was the season essentially. They ended up finishing the season five and one. So I was very proud that he's doing it on both ends right now. No, it's amazing. You know, I'm one of those few who get a chance to see those videos but keep it up okay <laughs> well thank you i will and i will tell my my son to do the same <laughs> Thanks, talk to all right later. we'll talk to night. you later you got thank it you. Cheers. thank you for listening to the high stakes lowdown a rotoviz podcast brought to you by the fantasy football players championship and thanks to grapes for our theme music please review the podcast on itunes under the rotoviz radio feed it helps us find new listeners Contact us via email, rotovizradio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear what you think, and follow us on Twitter at rotovizradio. And remember, you can always support the show by subscribing to Rotoviz at a 30% discount through the NFL podcast homepage, rotoviz.com slash podcast. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, the trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.